G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast uh, Round 8 Preview Edition. Uh, gee, the mornings are getting crisper, aren't they, uh, as we move into mid-May. As I say, very good morning to my co-host Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? I'm well. I was up very early this morning for round ball action. So the AFL, the, I tell you what, anybody who's been involved and watched the last two mornings of soccer will say, AFL, over to you. Serve up something as interesting. Serve up something as good as Andrew's Burgers, 144. Bridport Street in Albert Park. Even though he's, it's sort of a breakfast appeal, I'd, I'd have a burger for breakfast. I have done that. I've had burgers. I've had reheated Red Rooster. I've had... Uh, no, I think I got sick once by doing that too. Now, very quickly, for those not in the know, so you are talking, of course, about the Euro Champions League semi-final. Yeah, Tottenham. Ajax and Spurs. Uh, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So Spurs were 1-0 down. AX, the Amsterdamers, 2-0 at half-time to the Amsterdamers. And that's I actually woke up and saw the two goals and thought, okay, well, that's that. Well, that meant that they the away team had to kick three goals in the second half to make it through, and one player did it, which is pretty special. Mm. Following, of course... Liverpool's heroics. So uh, against Barcelona. I wonder what price he would have got for an all-English final after the first legs. Oh, it has to have been... 100 to 1, doesn't it? Astronomical. It really yeah. should have been. Absolutely. But we concern ourselves with Manus Football and we thank Nick Spartels of Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. as well. Now, I think Nick likes his soccer. I know that the boys from uh, Andrew's Hamburgers do, but they love their football. And of course, if you want a great build in the southeastern suburbs, Nick's your man. This week, we, we'll talk about the games coming up this weekend, but there is, I think, you know how you've talked about round... What round is it where the eight tends to be round indicative? Seven, the round seven I think we rule. move it forward one round. I believe after round eight we'll have a an indicative ladder. Well, if ever the round seven rule was under threat, I think it's this season when you have a look at the ladder. But uh, look, all these things to discuss. We, we told you about the round ball. Let's talk oval ball. On Footyology, Newsfeed. I like that sting. It makes everything feel urgent and exclusive and breaking. And that sort of breathless hysteria you now associate with football news. And there is a bit around Finey, uh, one you'd be very pleased with, the re-signing by St Kilda of Jade Gresham. Very important, yes. Uh, announced only this morning by the St Kilda Football Club. Four years, which is a a serious re-sign. I, I don't like when I hear a player re-signing for two years. I think that's a bit of a... a, a foot in either camp, but when a four-year commitment is made, it's a long-termer. Jay Gresham, the best of the unsigned players. Earlier this week, St Kilda re-signed Daniel McKenzie, and Jay Gresham is an indication that 
I think uh, I think he, there was an indication that Jade Gresham was waiting to see how the club was tracking in 2019. How old is he now? Uh, I'm guessing 23. Yeah. So he's a very good player and also important now with the likes of himself and Billings committed to the club that the young talent is sees a future for St Kilda. And that's good for the club, good for the coach, and good going forward. The the vibes out of the whole club this year Much have better. been really good, haven't they? Despite that given, given, cataclysmic run of injuries. Yeah, given the you know, just the horror um sort of weekly reassessment of the list required because a key player has gone down. I'm waiting for someone to be ruled out with gangrene or um, yeah, bubonic it, plague. Oh, it doesn't need to be major. <laughs> you know, a corky and Geary's out for the season yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So the ability to field a team that's relatively competitive and also for players to keep their spirits up, uh, credit needs to go to the coaching staff headed by Alan Richardson who was under... So much uh, scrutiny at the start of the year. No, uh, very good signs for the Saints. Uh, another story just emerging in the last 24 hours or so. Yet another showpiece game, finally. Collingwood and Hawthorne looking at uh, round 16 to honour the emergency services. Very good cause. Obviously. I love the cause. You know, the cops, the fireys and the ambos are at the front line, really, of our... of, of us in need, aren't they? We are a, a lucky country and we uh, aren't besieged by war, but we are beset by the problems of um, you know, drug addiction, of, of, of crime to a certain point, but certainly the elements. We know that there's bushfire season and, and fires are an ever-present danger and ambos and fireys and the police are incredibly at risk every time they go to work. Okay, so... Which is unfortunate because sometimes they're under risk from the people they're there to save. Correct. And uh, stiffer penalties now for those who attack emergency services. But uh, why Collingwood Hawthorne? I'm not sure. I think it was, uh, again, something that um, Eddie Maguire might have been part, part party to driving because I heard him speak very passionately about it yesterday. Um, my only concern... I, Look, it's great that they're two big teams and it's going to be a big game, but if this match is held annually, then Collingwood has another game that, prior to calculating the fixtures, needs to be accommodated. And we're starting to get to a... There's too many of these games that make fixturing compromised. You know, there are certain clubs, uh, Essendon, of course, has their fair share. Now, you know, if there's a country game, an Anzac Day game and a Dreamtime game to be held every year and Essendon's involved in all of them, Mm -hmm. you're starting to sort of patchwork together a a compromised fixture. Now, Collingwood have mothers, uh, have um, the game against Melbourne, which is Queen's Queen's birthday, birthday, I should say. Yeah. I I call her mother. Um, Of course, Anzac Day. And now we have this guy. Yeah. But I, I guess the problem here is if, if it's their initiative in the first place, how do you sort of take their initiative and give it to someone else? You know, can't you have the idea and then hand it to the AFL and say, AFL, best deal with it? Surely. Do you think Eddie would like that? <laughs> well, I think that's really what the AFL should say. It's a great idea, but we're going to put it on 
other clubs. And Hawthorne has, oh, they have won, don't they? Easter Monday against Geelong. Geelong. Uh, they do. And of course, there's, look, Richmond have got two. They've got the start of the season against Carlton. And got, Dream Time. They've got Dream Time. So we have quite a few of these games and quite a few of the teams. Good Friday now, of course, North Melbourne versus three different opponents thus far. That's right. I mean, Essendon could have another game there, couldn't they? Geelong have got a couple because they've got Geelong Hawthorne and then, of course, they've got the country game now. Now, there's no problems having these games, but you start to find it problematic to put together a fair fixture, knowing we have to have two derbies, we have to have two showdowns, we have to have two... Q clashes and two battles of the something in New South Wales. Bridge? Yeah, yeah. Battle of the Bridge. It it almost means that the fixture is partly written every year, and that well, part is getting bigger and bigger. It is. I so guess St Kilda and Sydney have the... Um, that tolerance game for oh yeah the pride game pride yeah. game pride game. they they re- they did um, a few years back remove some of the restraints by not worrying anymore about everyone having played everyone else once before rematches yes and I think uh, I've sort of changed a bit on this so I think the whole thing is compromised so much anyway that it's sort of how much difference does it make and when when you really and it's funny because I'm sort of shooting myself in the foot here because I I do a fixture analysis every year, which you know involves all these various categories and takes me bloody all day to do. But you know how often, how big a part does a fixture play in where teams finish on the ladder? I more and more I suspect not that much. I agree. I, the notion that. There's a good draw or a bad draw, or fixture. I mean, there, there is, there is, there, there, there are, is, but only at the end of the home and away season can it be calculated. Yeah, well, uh, was was playing Sydney good or bad before the season well, started? So, well, someone did a uh, good calculation the other day, and it was, I think, they said off the champion data draw analysis, Collingwood had one of the toughest draws, and looking at it now, the rest of the season where the sides are now, they've got the easiest draw. That's right, and I think Geelong have got a, a really good draw too. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all speculative anyway because no team is exactly the same the next season as they were the previous season. No, so. but, but what I'm saying is that these games also command prime time. So Yeah, there's a commercial imposition. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the suggestion. And yeah. that's why I think Collingwood are uh, obviously going to be so reticent to – would be reticent to hand up any of these opportunities – I just wonder whether or not Eddie Maguire having the platform of radio and television is in a much better position to come up with and champion these ideas than presidents or CEOs of other clubs. Absolutely no question about that whatsoever. All right, uh, two stories that have bubbled along for most of this week. Um, Gary Ablett. So, I mean, it's been done to death. I can see people rolling their eyes already so let's let's deal with it quickly um i thought i thought he was stiff to get a week in the first place to be That's honest right. so i've got to question the the initial decision because if you well, a lot a, of people weren't if you're paying a week for that then 
and I know we don't work on precedent, but we're going to have a lot of players rubbed out every week. Yeah, well, I said that. Um, people were bringing up two precedents. One was the James Cousins bump on Sam Petrovsky seaton which earned a week, and the other one was Dylan Grimes on Jamie Elliott in round two. Both of them got a week. I had a look at him, and I, I thought there was a significant difference. I reckon with both Grimes and um, Cousins, the, the key thing for me was both those guys, when they made contact... Had the elbow, had the forearm raised? Had the forearm, well, cocked almost, yeah, so yeah. I was going to say yeah. braced, you know, so so real contact coming up. Whereas Ablett's one, I actually, when I saw his argument at the tribunal about trying to spin, you know, yeah. that that is what it looked like. And if you have a look at it again, if you can be bothered, um, when he does make contact with Shield, his forearm isn't braced. It's quite sort of loosely, uh, not by his side, but it's held quite loosely. So I didn't think it was serious contact, and, and I agree with you. I reckon if you're going to get a week for that, there's going to be a lot of people getting a week. But is, is the lesson to be learned here that if you're a star player, hit Dylan Shield? <laughs> what, what? Didn't Coxon hit Shield? Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. And he played in the grand final. What's funny, people... He knocked him out, didn't he, in the, in the preliminary final? Oh, he did too, yeah. And Sorry. he got off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Shield and his former guys. Um, Hit Dylan Shield. No, the, uh, it's amazing. I wrote a... Uh, I did a Q&A thing for Sporting News yesterday and said that I, I thought that the Ablett thing was okay. The amount of responses... Put, People are so determined to believe there's a big conspiracy and the star players get about off. About the Brownlow. Well, well, yeah, among other things, umpiring. We talked about umpiring last week. But with the star players looked after thing, my gut feel about it was when I saw that he got a week initially was actually the reverse that I think, and I'm not having a go at Michael Christian here, but I think subconsciously he's, he'd be so concerned about people going saying, you know, don't treat the star players leniently, that it might have gone the other way. You know, that's possible, isn't yeah. it? Look, it was not an outrageous one week. I thought he should have probably got what he got in the finish. Yeah. This is, a, a for anybody to be outraged by either decision shows a lack of, uh, shows, I think, a an inherent bias, either against Geelong, either against Ablett, either against the system, or for Ablett, the system, or Geelong, because it was not, to me, a 100% either way. I just leant towards him not getting a week. I, I think it's a bit of a consequence of people uh, having so little faith in the AFL administration now and being so cynical about it that they see wolves at every door, whether it be at umpiring or be at the tribunal. And as we discussed last week, I mean, I, I don't know about you, I just find both those discussions really boring. Oh, this is the worst the tribunal and the match reviews ever been. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. as opposed to as opposed to 1996, where they had a fantastic year. I actually think it's working pretty well. Well, I reckon by and large, yeah. yeah I, I think I, it's working pretty well. I don't reckon there's that many that are questionable. Yep. All right, the other story, of course, that's quite big is, well, uh, Stephen May. Um, a photo taken of him having a drink on a Sunday had to apologise in front of his teammates, injured. So uh, not a hard and fast rule at Melbourne about no drinking, but um, not a great look, I think, was the, the line. Was um, it Marnie who came? Was Josh making, Marnie. Was he making the public statements uh, relating to this? I yeah, think it was I th- him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Interesting, uh, that, interesting that they've gone down the route of 
drink is not a wise coping mechanism with the stresses and you know the the disappointment of being in you know off the field almost touching on drink and depression and but not quite i mean it's it, it's careful fine lines are being tre- trod here just as Fremantle did earlier in the year with Jesse Hogan well there's a discussion to be had about the media treatment of that story, which we will do very shortly in Media Watch, but just from a strictly sort of news perspective, um, I really like Stephen May. I reckon he's a lovely bloke. Um, but, gee, it's been a disaster so far, his time at Melbourne, hasn't it? Well, it has. He's uh, obviously not done himself any favours by turning up in less than fighting Nick because first impressions are very important at a football club. He will never get that back. He will never get back the respect he lost from his teammates the day he walked into the Melbourne Football Club. And that's a pity because he's, when right, the sort of player that engenders on-field, you know, he he can lift a team. He's a a leader on-field, whether captain or not. But his time at Melbourne is now going to be spent a lot of it winning back the respect that he's already lost. Well, when you said that, it reminded me of Jake Carlisle at St Kilda, and he but, managed to overcome it, didn't but he? But he said that he had to, you know, he really had to work hard at it. But he did have a year off, of course. Yeah. Where... Well, the way it's going, May might have a year off. Carlisle's got another year off. But he had a year to show his timber, but not being injured because yeah. he was suspended through the Asada affair. Why was he working as a carpenter? I think he was. He was. He, he was yes. in the building industry. You didn't mean that, did you? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> you meant timber, T-I-M-B-R-E. I did. So I think it's easier. it was easier for him to gain the respect to players. In the end, players are very forgiving if a player's good. If, yeah. if, yeah. if somebody, if they yeah. think they're somebody Funny, that's though. going to help us make the finals or win a flag, they can be very forgiving. Yep. Yep. No, look, uh, I mean, good luck to him. Uh, like I said, he, he is a really nice guy, Stephen May, so I, I hope it works out for him. In the end, all right, that's enough news. Uh, let's talk footy media. On Footyology, Media Watch. Uh, the incestuous bit of the show, Finey. A uh, few topics to bring up on Media Watch this week. Um, well, we, we finished news talking about Stephen May, so... That was an interesting story, wasn't it? And um, we've talked about Tom Morris on this show before, but that was a good get by Tom Morris yeah. and uh, for on the couch. And they were, um, we've given them a pat on the back this year. They were quite happy about having that story, and I reckon, well done. It's harder to to break decent stories. Um, people will say, was it a story? Well, uh, yeah, I would argue, argue it was not so much because someone snapped a guy having a drink on social media, but the fact that May was going to have to apologise to his teammates, which Tom also had the details of, um, that was a news story. Yeah, that there is there are times when news broken by a journalist indicates that that journalist has the intel, the connections ahead of the game, and Tom Morris has, um, we can say, broke a pretty... Important news story. Certainly, in a year devoid of um, a lot of big stories, this one's this one's worth worthwhile trumpeting. So well done, Tom, and uh, young Tom Morris, because that, you know in the early days of the British Open golf, mm. many of the first 
British Opens were won by either young Tom Morris or old Tom Morris. He just reminded me of uh, Diggeroff could have been champions when you, you know the phone calls. Yeah. Hello, Teddy. Yeah. And Digger used to. Um, I remember one Digger talking about. Might have been. Yeah, it was obviously pre Anzac Day, but he was talking about Bruce Ruxton. He said, yeah. "Young, young Ruxton, <laughs> young Bruce." That no, wasn't Ruxton. Digger saying that. It was. Um, uh, was it Peter? Peter from Peterborough. Okay. Yes. Yes. The toffee one. Yeah. Young Ruxton. <laughs> um, yeah. So the other element to the Stephen May thing, I, I guess, was how other media responded to it, and. There's no doubt we'll arrive at this in another subject. Um, there's an increasing sort of cattiness between media organisations. You know, if someone comes up with a story and someone else misses out, no, sometimes I'll just follow it up, but sometimes I'll have a bit of a crack and say, oh, you know, that's not a story. Um, and The Age and The Herald Sun both had sort of commentaries on the May story, uh, which were a little bit different in nature. So... Uh, Michael Gleason and the Age wrote a thing which um, it, it was okay. It appeared to be, yeah, it was sort of um, downplaying. Had, it well, yeah, the the initial, yeah, the the downplaying the news element of Stephen May being pictured drinking on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I think he acknowledged the, you know, sort of apologising to the teammates. Um, but it was like one of those ones where, okay, it's not our story. We have to talk about it. Um, and Michael Gleason has, uh, he wrote a very good feature on Stephen May uh, a couple of years back. He obviously knows him. So I guess there was that element to it. Yep. Mark Robinson, the Herald Sun wrote a piece, took a different perspective, which was talking about the validity of a story and, um, but he was mainly talking, having a go at other media, which was Gary Lyon and Paul Ruse on on the couch for them being so critical of Stephen May when they had downplayed a story the Herald Sun had written about Joe Danaher having a drink while he was in injury rehab. Well, there are clear differences, aren't there? And I, I agree with Lyon and Paul Ruse in making that distinction. I think Robbo should have understood that. Um, I actually, no, I, I beg to differ on that. I actually think really? Rob, Robbo had a reasonable point. Well, they they went very hard on May. Well, Stephen May turned up to the Melbourne Football Club in a poor physical state and was the subject, and admitted that, and was the subject of uh, Simon Goodwin's public ire. Mm. So here's somebody that's already at a new club got one strike. Yeah. So they've got clear. Every club's got clear rules about rehab for a player. His injury was attributed to his um, poor physical state at the start of the season. To then compound the problem by being seen to be drinking. Mm. So goodness knows whether or not he was doing more drinking during the period of injury rehabilitation. I think is quite a serious matter. Adding new club, Joe Danaher, on the other hand. Longer-term injury, nobody suggested, I think, that that was going to set back his return to football. Did contravene team rules, so had to be handled by the leadership group, but he's a long-term bomber with credits in the bank. Different yeah, people. No, no, all, all fair points. I think what he was getting at was sort of like the extremities of the reaction because the Danaher one, 
you know, the reaction was, oh, how is this a story, you know? And and the other one, they were so scathing. And there there is an element of the soft target, not so soft target, isn't there? I mean, Stephen May at the moment is very, very obviously a soft target. And to your point about clear rules about rehab and whatever, I think one of the reasons this is, is a story is that it sounds like Melbourne doesn't have clear rules I mean, uh, Tom Josh, Mor- Josh Money was clear in saying that they are not allowed to drink when they're rehabilitating from injury. Is that right? Yep. Because, uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure when Tom Morris broke that story, he was saying Melbourne doesn't have a formal ban on that. Yeah, no, Josh Money suggested that that is, well, maybe something that all footballers uh, would commit to under Melbourne's policy of self, sort of self-policing. But he also, as we said earlier, touched on an element of mental health mm. in the drinking as being used as a crutch. So Yeah, and both um, but both those comment pieces I talked about mentioned the mental health aspect and that May had had a difficult uh, time of it on a personal level recently. Yep. Um yeah that that's about as far as it went. I'll t- I'll say this, I was just thinking as you were talking that um, we don't get too many of these sorts of stories still in footy media by comparison with the front of the newspapers, thank God, and particularly with an election looming in a week and a half. I mean, some of the... You know, I could, it's a footy show, so I won't, but the Daily Telegraph, what a rag that is. Their uh, hatchet job on Pill Shorten's mum. Um, unbelievable that was. But, you know, I think footy journalism by comparison is pretty... Uh, by Yeah, is reasonably ethical. Um, all right, so that's Stephen May. There's one issue. Uh, the other thing that's cropped up during the week in a media sense is Eddie Maguire and his wearing of many hats, not for the first time, and uh, this time it emerged with his comments about Brendan Bolton at Carlton, and I think he alluded to Carlton Dave, should be sussing Dave, out Alistair Clarkson. Um, and then uh, I think a few Collingwood people obviously thought, what are you doing, giving uh, the Blues a bit of ammunition Ahead of this week, uh, and to the point where Nathan Buckley actually mentioned it, and uh, I I think he believed that Eddie wasn't being very helpful. Well, uh, he suggested that Eddie was suggesting that Carlton go down the track that Collingwood have chosen not to go down, and of course, he said, look, that's not how we operate at Collingwood, and he's evidence of that because he was in the gun prior to the start of the 2018 season, but Collingwood have steadfastly stood by their man. And here's a case very much of president and media figure. So I think he did this as a radio host. Was this done? Yeah, it was hot breakfast, yep. triple M. So Eddie Maguire, president of Collingwood, is not Eddie Maguire, host of the hot breakfast. Now, I don't know how this discussion was generated on the hot breakfast, whether or not they were talking about Carlton, what their options were. But I, I think th- it was in the middle of a nickelback triple play. I don't. That would be their only three songs then on triple. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that they wouldn't have a triple play of one band because that's they've only got three discs. So the upshot is, I think Eddie is and any and there are plenty of football figures current still playing talking in the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's dangerous ground, 
But I don't think there's anything wrong with him suggesting that Carlton should look at Alistair Clarkson. Any club, any club not in the eight should look at Alistair Clarkson. I, I must admit, when when I heard about what Bucks had said, my initial thought, I don't know about you, but I, when something like this happens, I always think, wow, so Bucks has said that publicly. I wonder what he said privately. You yeah, know, like, well, of course, and privately. You'd say, you know what he'd say privately? They'd, oh, if they could get Clarkson, that'd be brilliant for them. Yeah, yeah, but no, to Eddie, what do you oh. think he said privately? And what and how did Eddie react when when he heard Bucks right. basically yeah. give him a slap over on the wrist? All right, I reckon Bucks would have said to him, you're fair dinkum, Eddie. Why don't you bring it up after we play them, not before we play them? But do you reckon he said and that you know before what, he made a public comment or after? Oh, it doesn't matter. And do you know what Eddie would have replied to that? What? Are you serious, Bucks? If you need me to shut my mouth before we play the second bottom team on the ladder... Then I'm not either. I'm not a good judge of Collingwood, or you're not on track to do what you th- the team thinks they're going to do, which is playing a grand final. He, you know, he, he'd say to him, "Shit, mate, there's nothing I could say about Carlton that could get them over the line against us." That's funny because what I when you asked me that, I thought Eddie would go into circus ringmaster mode and talk about promoting the big Carlton Collingwood game because it's it's not, not exactly it's but it's not the biggest. Uh, ticket in town anymore, is it? No, but but yeah, I don't think Bucks cares about the gate. No, I'm, I'm he'd sure just he say, doesn't. He'd just say, Bucks, just go out and win the game. Yeah. Don't worry about what I'm saying. I think we've got a better team. But an interesting little sort of um, uh, psychological power struggle there, isn't it? Yeah. Who, who was it? I think it was Dennis Pagan used to cut out headlines and put them put them up in the rooms before they ran out. Yeah. Well, pretty soon there won't be newspapers to have headlines to cut out. Imagine audio grabs as you're running out from... (laughs) (laughs) Well... Sound bites. Well, what about online? How how would they do that? They'd project a 3D image onto someone's (laughs) lockers because you've got to have lockers to put them... They don't have lockers now. They have those sort of spaces, you know, the sort of the built-in robe effect. Yeah, cupboards. (laughs) He projected a hologram... Of Eddie McGuire. How, so onto how did the they cupboard. put the previous record? You sort of most clubs have, depending what number you are, that previous wearers of that number who've played over. Where do they games. do that? Um, they have life size. There's an app. They have life size three D figures which hover over the. There's an app that you you've got to press on. <laughs> Some company will do it. Um, Footy Locker app. Yeah. Not only for the AFL, yeah. for all local and you every club. Get your previous legends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the I like the hologram idea. So the, a, a guy gets given number to Aaron Francis at Essendon. Every training session, he walks into the hangar and puts his clothes up, and the hologram of John Coleman comes up and goes, "I am the late John Coleman. You will honour my number 10. Didn't honour it very well last Sunday against the Cats. Could they get the hologram to present the Guernsey when the player makes his <laughs> yes. first game? Don't laugh. Like Nat, Nat King Cole and stuff. Didn't someone do a? Um, I've got a feeling. You know, one one of the catalogue now of uh, dead performers. weren't they going to do a? Oh, I'm, I'm going mad here. Was it Amy Winehouse or someone? They were going to do like a a, a hologram concert of yeah. them performing. Oh, they've done. Yeah, That's pretty scary. Yeah, they've done. They've had Michael Jackson was going to do. Oh, a hologram. Michael Jackson. He oh. was going to do a hologram concert. He was probably a hologram when he was still alive. Yeah. No, he was going to do a hologram concert, but oh, I don't. Know, I don't know whether it ever happened. Oh, it freaks me out a bit. Yeah. I mean, um, all right. There is. I mean, doing it at doing it at primary school was silly. There. <laughs> 
There is media uh, gone mad. Now, uh, hang on, hang on. No, I've, I think I've we're got done. One. We're done, aren't we? No, I've got one. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you can you bring this cannot, up at the pre-meeting show. No, you cannot resist. Pre-show meeting. You cannot resist bickering with other members of the media, can you? What have I done? Let us listen to this. With an e-ball, Caro Rowan Connolly was astute when he criticised you on the weekend. Before you answer, let's take a listen. Who should be the next CEO of the AFL once Gil moves on? Uh, the best qualified candidate, not just someone who's a good contact at Caro's. Ooh. No, bad call, Rowan. Mean-spirited call. You don't mean that, Rowan. You know that. Why, in the words of the great Barry Cassidy, when is we as a media going to stop picking on each other? We've got to be better than that. Bad call. Uh, I'll tell you what. Did Shane McInerney ask the question? No, Shane McInnes did. Oh, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Shane McInnes an umpire. Yeah. Uh, no, Shane that was McInnes, Shane McInnes. Been... You know what? <laughs> I just want to bring him into the discussion. You know, you know what? It Why was... are you bickering with Caro again? I'm, I'm, yeah. I should, you I... know better than that, No, Rowan. I do. I did. I tell you what, I, when I heard that, someone tweeted it to me, actually, because I was on air at the time. But um, when I heard that... Yeah, she, Caro does the um, sort of disapproving mother voice so well. And um, credit to her, because as soon as I heard that, I, I felt like I was going to get sent to my room without without supper. So mum sends you to your room, Rowan. I know, I was hungry. <laughs> Poor mum having to feed you. Were you right or wrong, though? I mean, you did make an assertion there that uh, she would only be comfortable with a CEO that she has... A good connection. Oh with. no! Look, it was it was overly flippant of me to be honest. I mean that with that segment we do, it's sort of quick fire questions. Caro had written that column about uh, Brennan Gale should be the next AFL CEO. Um, I, I think there are obvious advantages in that for her. I don't think it would have necessarily motivated her to write the piece, but um, you know she's pretty shrewd, Caro. Like there's plenty of things she does do with a an agenda, perhaps sometimes even a subconscious agenda. Um, now, for what it's worth, I think Betty Gale will be a really good AFL CEO as well, as far as we can tell those things. And I'm always a bit dubious about, you know, uh, how, how to what extent the media can determine whether a CEO is good or not because we, we don't really see any of their work, as opposed to coaches where we see a minor part of their work. We don't see any of the AFL CEO's work, really. It's all based on perception. Um, I think it'd be good for Caro in a new sense. Um, but you know, I look, I, I, yeah, I, I wasn't meaning to suggest that that would be the only reason she would write that column and the only reason she'd want Benny Gale as CEO. It was one of those ones where no, I would do it again because I was just being mischievous. But um, I, I didn't think they'd make that big a deal of it. Okay. Do, do you think? Sorry, this yep. is this is how incestuous the media now is. Do you think they would have brought that up on Footy Classified because Hutchie's given us a whack for giving him a whack for giving no, us a whack? No, no. Hutchie, Actually, no, Matthew Lloyd was on at the time when I said it, so he probably brought it up. Hutchie would view... Well, I'm going to give you a whack, Lordy. Hutchie would view any whacks as good promotion, so it would, wouldn't have been done in a malice. Just one last one on that whole piece. When Shane McInnes asks the question... Shane McInerney. No, McInnes. When he asks the question... Good bloke, Shane McInerney. And Shane McInnes. It, Go on. Is McInnes in sort of Elizabethan Elizabethan actor <laughs> what are you, costume? What are you doing? Well, he's very about? over the top when he asks his questions. <laughs> so does he? Does he have like white talcum on his face? 
and a fake beauty spot and one of those long silver sort of wigs. <laughs> you know what you've just reminded me of? I wonder if other people are having this same image. The Blackadder episode. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm doing the Blackadder ep- episode <laughs> with my, the two actors. That's my second favourite. Uh, what's it called? Macbeth. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm Incan trying to remember. Incapability? No, that's a dictionary one. Yeah, so I'm not sure. But it's from that series, and that's exactly that's the actors. That's excellent, I'm, isn't it? That's exactly who I'm Mr. Kidrick and, yeah, that's and right. Mr. Moss. That's exactly who I imagine Shane McInnes looking at like when he asks So anyone questions. who hasn't seen that Blackadder episode... First of all, you must see it. It's one of the greatest half hours of comedy ever. But the two actors are trying to get the stupid prince to learn a speech so he can impress his subjects, and they're teaching him the art of <laughs> they're teaching him the art of speech making. And they uh, they quote uh, Mr. Kenrick from your uh, from your Hamlet: "Whoa, <laughs> to be or not to be," and from your uh, um, was it from your Julius Caesar. Whoa, <laughs> friends, Romans, countrymen, and they've got to stand there with their legs apart. But they can, they cannot hear the word Macbeth because for any right. actor, they've got to it's slap called, each the, other Scot- on it's the, called the Scottish play. Yeah, yeah. Naming Macbeth is bad luck, so they're constantly pinching and because and, and they piss Blackadder off. So Blackadder makes sure he says Macbeth every two seconds, and they've got to slap each other. And then it turns out Blackadder leads the prince to believe they're planning a, a treasonous plot against him. And um, he asks him, he, uh, no, he, sell, he tells Baldrick he overheard them plotting. And he goes, ooh, um, how far apart were their legs? And he goes, ooh, this far. And he goes, and their nipples? Out that far. Oh, it's a great episode. You remember it well. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit rain manish on those things. Uh, what a strange media watch that was. All right, uh, let's preview some games. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Rightio, nine games. Let's go through them. Intriguing one to start at the SCG on Friday evening, Finey, and that is Sydney v Essendon. The Swans officially gone. I actually wrote their obituary for footyology.com.au. Oh, good article. Day. Oh, you read it, did you? It's a, it's a great example of thorough journalism with... Oh, thank you. Uh, it, it's well-seasoned with, um, you know, the the... Mathematical and the empirical is the word I was looking for. Empirical evidence of uh, strong statistics. It was well written. Yeah, no, well, we won't go through it all again. But they, they have, uh, they haven't had an outside game. They've lost their inside game. Most glaring, I think, was their defence. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. They well, pride themselves on keeping teams. Well, it's long, to low scores. It's Longmire's ninth season in charge. They've been the number one ranked defensive side uh, four of those years, and only once, I think, lower than about third. Um, and all of a sudden, that's dropped to, I think, six. I think seventh was his lowest ever. Yes, yes. And contested balls. I, I don't think so. I read it in an article. Uh, Yours. Contested <laughs> ball is, is somewhat similar. So, no, it's, it's over for the Swans, and you know the fact they've kept it going as long as they have, is remarkable, but it's over. I suspect they'll find it hard to bounce back immediately too. Um, you know, we've been wrong about that before. We were wrong, I guess, to a degree with Hawthorne. Uh, however, in the more immediate sense, they've got Essendon this week, and Essendon terribly, terribly disappointing against Geelong last week after having appeared to win over the uh, sceptics on Anzac Day. Now, in terms of availabilities, Harry Cunningham, um, who's a finished top 10 in their BNF last year. He's out for at least the next month after tearing 
an adductor muscle. If only his name was Howard. Um, ah, yes, very good. Happy days. Uh, and for the Bombers, uh, well, funnily enough, I didn't think we'd say this pre-season, but I thought Mitch Brown uh, was a big loss for them because I thought their forward setup last week really lacked structure. And I th- he sort of straightens them up in terms of their delivery. They had Aaron Francis playing as a key forward. Didn't really work. Joe Danaher was just sort of sitting there and propping and getting the ball kicked on his head. A uh, few concerns over Tom Bell Chambers, too. He rolled his ankle last week, although and, and uh, I, and could I, play. And I believe your your sort of young ruckman, is it Draper? Sam Draper, yeah. He ACL. got injured in the VFL. He's out for the year. Yeah, so uh, yes, injuries uh, to key personnel. What do you think happens in this game? Oh, look, we speak before the teams are announced, but that won't even convince me until they run out whether or not Lance Franklin will play because, as I said, three weeks ago, there's no such thing as a trivial hamstring. Mm. Minor, minor, they said. What are they saying in terms of probabilities? 50-50? Or? Oh, they, you know, they said he was going to play last week, but... Yeah, I don't trust and I think uh, the latest thing I read was could be ready to return. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a great sign. All right, so who wins? I've got to tip Essendon in this because Sydney, unfortunately, one of the big impediments to Sydney bouncing back anytime soon is the loss of home ground, not only advantage, but home ground aura. The, oh, they've been the, terrible. The sense that teams would go up to Sydney knowing not only that they were Unlikely to win because Sydney were a good team, but that they were in for a ferocious game of football. Mm. Tight confines against the best inside team in the comp. That's gone. And with it goes their chance of winning against Essendon. Uh, I'm tipping the Bombers with reservations. Look, basically, uh, their record at the SCG isn't great. But, um, you know, if, if they're going to be a decent side, you have to be able to beat the side that, f- reputation aside, is currently at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. No questions asked. You have to win, home or away. So, so you're going Essendon? I'm going Essendon. And a table for two at what time, sir? Sorry? With reservations. Oh, very good. Very, very good. Um, all right, let's move on to Saturday. Western Bulldogs taking on Brisbane uh, at Mars. Yeah, that's a tough... Come on, let's do the cheap Mars No, I'm not gag. doing it. Oh, okay. Not interested. Nothing about Uranus? Not mine. Venus? There's- Venus? Venus and Mars, they're all right, you know? Yeah. Wings. Uh, wings, yeah. Pluto? Well, let's get back to football. Right. And We've sort of swapped roles here. I'm the one going off on the ridiculous tangents and you're straightening me up. Well, I am straightening you up and I'm going to Carl's do exactly what... shaking his head at both of us. I am going to... Carl's playing the Caroline Wilson role, disapproving. I'm going to... Now, is Harris Andrews playing? Uh, I don't believe so. Oh, Really? Okay, we'll keep talking. Well, because Aaron Norton is a key figure in this game. And actually, I would have thought Harris Andrews is the perfect player to play. I'm reading all but assured of being available. Uh, He will be available. You see, this is tricky. Because Harris Andrews actually has the leap and big fist to trouble Norton. Can Brisbane keep this unlikely good win-loss ratio going against the Bulldogs? Yes, they can, sir. But it's a tough venue to do so. And... For tipping purposes, I'll tip the Bulldogs because I just don't think it's good value at, you know, even money to tip Brisbane. But I tell you what, flash some odds in front of me. No, Mm. I'm going to tip Brisbane. 
I'm going to tip Brisbane. Yeah, this is why I'm of, tipping Brisbane yeah. because I really believe, as good as Aaron Norton was last week, you can't expect him at this stage of his career as a forward to be kicking those bags every week. And with Harris Andrews likely to play, I think there's the perfect foil. And you know what? Beyond Norton, there's not that much. Norton! This is one of those ones where you, if you knew none of the backstories and just looked at the ladder, you'd say, oh, Brisbane in a canter. And they're fifth on the ladder. I oh, know. Um, however, I, I can't help um, coming back to well several of those factors you mentioned. I mean, for you know, it's not like these guys in Brisbane don't experience colder weather and whatever. You know, they're not sort of tribesmen from I love the, the way we Kalahari treat, Desert. I love, I love the way we treat Batlock. You can come to Melbourne and win. But Ballarat is yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But Ballarat's it, a horrible cold place. Well, I do. It does. You know, I think the last game there, the Bulldogs played against Port Adelaide, was positively Arctic. Apparently, so uh, it won't be it won't be warm and sunny. You can guarantee that, and it, it just makes yeah. Well, I think we overdo that, but it's a venue they haven't played at. The Bulldogs have Bulldogs form last week pretty good. I, I tend to agree with you about Norton. I don't think he's going to do that every week. Um, but they they certainly played a lot better. They knocked over Richmond. So, you know, I think they could be back to a bit of reasonable form. I'm going for the Bulldogs. Can I just say that it, a, a lot of people subscribe to it. It's going to be very hard for Brisbane to play in Ballarat or, or for Fremantle to play there because it's so cold. Mm. Happy to name a team that's going to struggle there. Can you name me one player in the AFL that can't play in cold weather? Name the player that doesn't like the cold. I can think of a few that probably wouldn't be wrapped with it. They're talking about wet weather, maybe. I'm talking about cold. Well, I remember when Michael Long first came to um, well, Essendon. He used to go and anymore. sit in the sauna. He's not playing anymore. Yeah, well, I'm... Who's going to struggle in the cold? Irving Mosquito? Maybe. You're right. He's slight. Yeah. He's from other climes. And he prefers this sort of sultry weather. Oh, I suspect so. I Trop- just, tropical weather for Mosquito? I suspect he's not going to fully flourish until he's uh, not reunited, brought together with Wiley Buzzer. It, okay. It's the I, football I double act that I simply has to I asked you a sensible question and you ruined it. No, like... Oh I'm saying because there are no players that are no good in the cold, yeah. so why should a team be no good in the cold? Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Just I don't know. I'm just imagining Brisbane wearing long sleeves. I don't, don't think it would look that good. I mean, anyone seems to wear long sleeves anymore. Yeah, because they don't work like long sleeves used to. What do you mean? See, in the Still olden days, your when skin. You, no, no, in the olden days when you had a woolen jumper on a wet day, yeah, and the wool got wet, it was heavy, but it was actually you could mark and chest mark yeah, yeah. using the wool because it. Now the modern jumper being that that sort of shiny material, Kevlar. Well, the long sleeves when they get wet are sort of slippery. They're 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 a hindrance, not a, a benefit. Interesting theory. All right, uh, so you're going for Brisbane. I'm going for the Western Bulldogs. Incidentally, incidentally, uh, what's going on with our tipping numbers? Who's where? What? Well, we were even again last week. Okay. So we got this uh, is all in your head, isn't it's it? It's not all in my head. Well, I'm not head. seeing any scraps of paper or pens. You, or... you pulled within four, and you're still within four. Last okay. week we both got, I think, seven. I don't know. We got seven last I'm week. I'm relying so on you. You're on 36, I'm you on 40. You could be absolutely diddling me it's here. It's 36 to 40. Okay. Well, let's we'll check that against the professionals. Okay. All right, I will. Um, that's one of about 68 places I now have to tip. All right. Uh, simultaneously at 145 on the MCG, the big one. Well, no. What used to be the big one, no matter where they are on the ladder, which has also been 
proven crap over a long time now. Carlton taking on Collingwood. What happens? I don't think there's anything Eddie could say or anything that could be brought up to the car. By the way, how how would this fire up Carlton? All their players, you know... Eddie Maguire said we could have Clarko as a coach next year. They go, yeah, sure, that'd be, <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> that'd be all right. That's a fair point. Uh, they are going to welcome back Cruiser and McGregor, uh, uh, McGovern, I believe. Uh, yes. And that's a big change for them. But I think Liam Jones would have to take a week off after that shocking butt to the head. Knocked to oh, the head. Oh, yeah, he couldn't play, surely. Yeah, here's another interesting one. They reckon Hugh Goddard is looking pretty good in the VFL. No, they reckon Hugh Goddard's probably the only like right player to fill the void, you know. I saw his numbers last week. He's Look, Hugh Goddard's going to struggle at AFL level because he's not quite quick enough. Pity. He looked promising in his first few games at St Kilda. And then, he did, didn't he? He was getting then he got good some, raps. Yeah, he got some injuries. and Anyhow, I wish him absolutely all the best because he's one of those players who was Cast aside by a lowly team, so well done to find a spot elsewhere. So Co- Car- Cox is not playing. Well, Carlton's got a few players coming back. Collingwood's got a few issues. Um, no, well, they're saying Cox could return. No Cox. Um, Buckley has ruled him out. Oh, has he? Yes. Okay, I missed that. Taylor Adams is going to be out, out for, for at four, least a four month. Weeks, yes. Uh, James Ash, I think, bit of concussion for him. Uh, still no Chris Mayne. Yeah. Plenty mean, of backup though. Plenty of backup. Well, Adams is a big loss, but, you know, they've got, say, Varco's not playing at the moment. Um, not like for like there, but, uh, yeah, Colling. Isaac Quaynor, Quaynor might make oh, his yeah. debut this week, yeah. by the way. Harry O'Brien, Mark too. Yeah, they, he's, he's lively off the half-back line type player, so he, he's been very promising in the VFL. Everybody's going to tip Collingwood in this, and it would be a major upset if Carlton won. Agree. I'm tipping them too. All right, next game on the agenda, the Saturday Twilight game, 4.35 at Metricon Stadium, Gold Coast taking on Melbourne. Gee, this one's interesting, isn't it? Pretty uh, credible performance from Gold Coast in Perth last week. I mean, West Coast looked like they could absolutely blow them away, um, but they really hung in there, which is what they hadn't done the previous couple of weeks. So, decent effort by them. They're back at home. Uh, They're going to get two or three key players back. Yeah, uh, who Lockie have Weller. got? Lockie Weller, Sean Lemons, He's Pete, due back, yeah. Pierce Hanley are all expected to play. Yeah, can they all come back? So Weller's oh, been yeah, out for about a month. They'll bring him back. So you've got Weller, Lemons and Hanley. Yeah. And they will play, and that just beefs up their team. And Melbourne, boy, if they, if they make a false step here, the knives will be out double. Yeah. Yeah, it can happen, can't it? Like you sort of break the ice with a, a win, you've got to then back it up, I mean, particularly when it's away from, away from home. Your yeah. hot favourite, yeah. But your form really isn't that could great. Be, could be hot too, yeah, literally. And, and, yeah, and and the players that flourish at Ballarat would never be able to play <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> I wonder who Melbourne players flourish. Um, injury wise, uh, Jack Viney, no, he couldn't be a chance, could he? No, he's, he's unfortunately stop start career is stopping a lot. You wouldn't think they'd make many changes given, uh, no, they did win. They, they did win and played pretty well. Wiedemann played well in the VFL though, and yeah. it would be an option. Yeah. Uh, Proust, could he be a chance? He's had a shoulder injury. Yeah, I think they'd go with Wiedemann up forward as a simple. In for, uh, Kielty. Yeah, yeah, they... I, I 
I would not be surprised if Wiedemann played and they try and stretch the Gold Coast defence. So I would suspect if you're looking for a, an upset or two, this might be one worth considering. What do you think will happen? I just have to tip Melbourne because to to tip against them against Gold Coast, who seem to be following the script of last season, unfortunately, even though last week against West Coast was an encouraging performance, they do... And now they're now really searching for a win goal case. They should be desperate, and I'm sure they will be. But surely last season's form was not a complete mirage, a tease, an unfair taster for Melbourne supporters. There must be some of that that resonates, and if there is any of that that resonates, they will beat Gold Coast. Yeah, I concur. Uh, yeah, if they, the consequences of them not winning here are absolutely dire. They, they will win. Well, they start to sort of get a, a toehold back in the season a bit if they do get the four points. All right, uh, Saturday evening, 7.25. Now, speaking about potential upsets, this might be number one on the list. You may not agree, but uh, St Kilda taking on West Coast at Marvel Stadium. West Coast just going. A very, very unimpressive win over the Suns. Can't kick a score all of a sudden. 11 goals, 10 goals, 7 goals. Um, and your Saints, Finey, who uh, were very competitive against GWS. Margin probably yeah, wasn't mate, reflective yeah. of the nature of the game. But? I, I think, Count, I, I, I think St Kilda are a massive chance here. But I, again, I'm, I'm not gutsy enough to follow it right through. I think talent will out in the end. And West Coast record at uh, Marvel or at Docklands is pretty handy of late. Yeah, St Kilda have a brilliant record on Saturday night. Something they've maintained even, you know, when they were uh, a finalist and a grand finalist, they were unbeatable on Saturday nights. And something they've actually maintained through their years of decline is still very hard to beat on a Saturday night. Got a theory as to why? Yeah, look, it's their home ground, but I don't think they've ever really... Saints disco afterwards? No, no I don't think they've ever really embraced the roof open there, St Kilda. Oh, yeah. So. They don't get a lot of Friday night games. We're talking about Sunday night, uh, Sunday afternoon and Saturday nights. It is their home ground. They do play it well. They're very competitive there in all their measurables, you know, all that sort of um, follow-up stuff and, and, and the ability to apply pressure. But their back line is it's there to be taken. Jeremy Cameron showed it last week. Darling returned to a bit of form. Kennedy plays very well against St and Kilda. You said Jeremy Cameron showed it last week against St Kilda. Oh, the, sorry, I the, you're talking the, about the Eagles. No, the St Kilda's flawed backline. Yeah, yeah. I think they have to bring Nathan Brown back in after one game in the VFL for Derek Joyce. But uh, I'm, I'm just, you know what? If I can respect Melbourne form last year and tip them against Gold Coast, then I can certainly respect West Coast of 2018 getting some form of that, some semblance of that form back and beating St Kilda. West Coast, unfortunately, comfortably. What about uh, Tom Hickey up against his old side? Well, he should be back. He had a week off. Yeah. If he doesn't, that's a big difference, by the way. I mean, Vardy is Mm. on his own, got thrashed by wits, and Marshall and Hickey will lock horns and have a good battle. Marshall and Vardy would be a clear win to the young and up-and-coming Saints Ruckman, who was great against Big Mummy. Mummy tried to... Fear. I, look, we know that Marshall can kick a goal, he's mobile, and he can get a tap out, but he was equal in the strength battle. 
with Big Mumford. Do they play this game for the Jamie Cripps Cup? Why would they pay for the Jamie Cripps? He did not want to be at St Kilda for one minute. No, but he still, got, he still played there. No, you can play for the David Serikowski Cup. Oh, yeah, he was at both. Good one call. game. Yeah, good good pick-up. Did he only play one game for West Coast? Yeah. Phil Narkel played for both clubs. He was pretty good for St Kilda, wasn't he? You know he? Narkel played for both clubs? Phil Narkel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a game or two for the West Coast yeah, yeah. Eagles. Did he have a blue and gold helmet? Yes, he did. Did he really? Yeah. I'll have to find some Paul Harding out. played for both clubs. Doing well here, finding. Oh, I can give you a few, mate. I'm always... That's one of my... That's something I... I cannot tell you whether a player is left or right footed. I don't know. I just don't know. But you can tell which clubs can he tell played you, for. I can tell you multiple clubs, no problem. I can remember once when I was a young reporter on my son, we were all sitting around. It was before I was even in sport, so that's how long ago it was. And uh, we were sitting there and we decided to come up with a spreadsheet, uh, which we had to write him the names of a player who'd gone from every club to every other yeah. club. Yeah, I, I do that. And we filled it comfortably. I do that. Not so easy now with Gold Coast and GWS. GWS are being generous to everybody. Yeah, there, there are a couple. Oh, we're, come on, talking dribble. So we're both going for West Coast. Has uh, anybody gone from Gold Coast to West Coast? Uh, Matera went to Fremantle. No, this is for another time. <laughs> um, we're both tipping West Coast. All right, yeah. uh, showdown, Saturday night in Adelaide. Uh, 7.10, I think, local time. Port Adelaide, Adelaide, what happens? I've been told by everybody that the form guide and ladder positions go out of the window when tipping in a showdown. But even if... Adelaide have been pretty dominant in them, haven't they? No, I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, the players and coaches are at pains to point out, don't look at form, don't look at the ladder positions when going for a tip in this game. But I thought to myself, if I'm going for form and ladder positions, they're sort of roughly the same anyhow. Mm. I would would describe Adelaide and Port Adelaide as fairly, tracking fairly similarly this year. Uh, Adelaide have picked up the Cugsels in recent weeks. Oh, Definitely. And Port Adelaide have been not consistent, but but they've had their results. So Ollie Wines is out for a month. That's a, a he wasn't doing much. But Hammer blow. No, no, he's massive loss. For but them. he is a massive loss. I go for. I think Adelaide are building up some nice momentum. Yeah, I think they are. I think so. Riley O'Brien showed last week that he can absolutely hold down that number one ruck position. It was a tough win for them too, wasn't it? They've had some tougher yeah. wins yeah. Uh, during this stretch. Uh, again, a concern is Taylor Walker. He, again, he he, uh, he was you know, non-productive once again after a good game against St Kilda. I wish they had a more honest forward line. Do you, do, I'd bring Jenkins back. I, I don't know. Is he going terribly? Uh, it's pretty surprising he's not there. Uh, uh, Brad, well, e- Brad Ebert's a chance to miss with concussion. That's right. Yeah, he got a nasty knock. Um, I think Gallucci might get dropped, which is a great disappointment. Because of his moustache? Oh, it's outstanding. It's waxed. Uh, yeah, no, it looks good. It's got that real handlebar effect. Yeah. I'll tell you one guy who won't get dropped, Fonny, for Port. Willem Drew. Willem who? Willem Drew. With Gallucci, do you reckon his opponent, when when he goes, you know they shake hands before the game? Yeah. Good evening to you, sir. <laughs> yes. How <laughs> we for the best? Um, all right, so we're both going for Adelaide, correct? I'm going for Adelaide. I'm going for Adelaide as well. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Marvel Stadium, one ten pm 
North Melbourne taking on Geelong for the Phil Baker Cup. Oh, many North Geelongs. You yeah, don't yeah, get no, me started. Shoal, Pickering. Yeah. Uh, Lee Scott. Tudor. Lee Tudor. Scott. Oh, there's so many. Darren Steele. Yeah, and good ones, aren't they? There's good North <laughs> Oh, yeah. The trade between those two clubs was excellent. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. So what happens? John Mossop Cup. Yeah. What happens? <laughs> We're in big trouble now. We're just going to do this the next 10 minutes. Uh, what happens in this game? Oh, you just can't tip against Geelong at the moment, my friend, can you? No. The re- you know why you can't tip against Geelong? Because they're good. Because they're very different to the Geelong that I'd been sceptical of for the last three or four years. My scepticism was well-founded because of their lack of versatility, Mm. because of their reliance on going to the well, even with Dangerfield in the team, Mm. throwing Selwood and Dangerfield, draining them in the centre of the ground for all they're worth, kicking up full forward to Hawkins. They had their only real move up till this year, was Harry Taylor back or forward. Well, now they've got, we keep pointing it out, so many options. Dangerfield may well not play, but they can still, you know, drive Ablett through the forward line and up on the half forward line. Yeah, be using Selwood off a wing. Uh, yeah. A for- bit of a danger for them is Asafa Ratagali is unlikely to play as well. Now, he plays a big... Oh, concussion, yeah. He plays a, 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 a an important... Earl Spaulding type, you know, yeah. um, space-creating well, bash and crash role. Support for Tomahawk. Yeah, and for Paddy or, or whoever. But you know what? They seem to have many players that you you don't reckon could kick those goals. Grian Myers, maybe Mitch Duncan can kick three or four because we know he can. So I think they've got all the answers. And uh, Reece Stanley, you know what Reece Stanley will show us on the weekend? What? that he's an energetic, engaged ruckman. And I don't think Todd Goldstein is quite that. I just hope he stays fit. He's had an appalling run with injuries. North yes. North will be a lot more confident, I think, as a result of having knocked over Carlton. Yeah, of course. But um, big step up in grade. In racing parlance, they've gone from winning at uh, being a, maiden a benchmark 78 in Benalla. Yeah. And they've been put in a listed race. I thought you were going to say hanging rock. Uh, all right, so Geelong comfortably for no, you? No, not comfortably. Just mm. that sort of maybe 24 points arm's length. Yeah, I'm going the Cats as well. Okay, uh, 3.20 is game time for the next on our list, and it is Hawthorne against GWS yeah. at the MCG. Well, how can you tip How can you tip Hawthorne at the moment? I've got a theory about that. I don't think the Giants play well at the MCG. They don't play there much. I don't have many good memories of the Giants at the MCG. No. I think they had a good win against Richmond there a couple of years ago. Uh, Did they? Yeah, three years ago maybe. But the truth is, didn't they have one sort of a late... Yeah, I think they might have. Anyway, go on. Anywho, I know Gold Coast had a good win against Hawthorne there. Not the one that mattered, the preliminary final. No, that's exactly right. The... It was either Richmond or Collingwood they beat there three years ago. But the fact is that right now, as we sit here, GWS are clearly a better team than Hawthorne. Now, they will get back Whitfield and Kelly. Look, there's going to be some unlucky guys miss out. So they they welcome back a couple of absolute guns this week, I'm pretty sure. And Hawthorne are still asking themselves, 
can we find two or three players to round out a 22 that's pretty thin? They're really being exposed for depth, aren't yeah, they, the they Hawks are. at the moment? It's so thin. to that end, uh, Frawley, I think, has missed three with a hamstring. Yeah. Uh, it was a chance make, for this week, which probably... Do you rush Frawley back in? No. Well, it... It would be important because you got you know you got Cameron up there, you got Finlayson, you yeah, got yeah. Himmelberg. Himmelberg. That's funny in itself, isn't it? The fact that we're talking about their potent forward line of Cameron, Himmelberg, and Finlayson. Why um, not? They're pretty impressive. Look, Toby Green, he's he's there. Don't worry, hmm. old Lurkio. Um, yeah, I'm really worried about the Hawks' depth. I guess this was always going to be a concern, and that dependence still on their most senior players. Um, yeah, disappointing loss for them last week. It's the sort of game we expect them to get over the line in, isn't it? But they, they couldn't in the end. Um, yeah, good. I've still just got that tiny little bit of reservation about GWS. If they come out and win this game well, as they should, that will be removed. So I'm going for the Giants. Uh, look, you know, because I wrote an article for Footyology this week proclaiming Jeremy Cameron as the best player in the competition. And a very good article it was. Are you... Caroline Wilson might like quoting Barry Cassidy, but in the words of David Cassidy, I think I love you. <laughs> uh, oh, who are you addressing it to, Jeremy Cameron? Yeah. I no, thought I you were looking at me. But isn't he just now what you want in a forward? Powerful, courageous, and he can kick the ball. A contra male. Thanks for that uh, earworm. What's that? I think I love you. Do you know what earworm is? You know, when someone says a song title or whatever, and that song then just gets stuck in your head, whether it's good or not, which I think I Love You definitely isn't. It is a great song, but the late... I think I love you, so what am I afraid of? Think think of Kevin Hillier every time you think about singing on this podcast. Uh, No, when I think of Kevin Hillier, I think uh, Toto, and I think the Doobie Brothers. No, think of Kevin Hillier's advice about singing on radio. No, don't sing. Yeah, he said I could sing on podcasts, though. Yeah, just not his. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last game. Hey, did you hear that wag stuff? We're laughing at each other. Um, you know, we talked about the feedback on Big Footy. Hey, thanks to everyone on Big Footy too. They're loving Andrew's hamburgers as well. By the way, what do you know that two streets from where we are in Parliament Street, yeah, the studios of Southern FM, because mm. I just drove out of here, and there's a Wagstaff Street. Oh, really? Yeah, just no, across the road. He's a good man, Wagstaff. He's uh, hey, we a named very, we named the street after him. A very erudite uh, and intelligent user of the Big Footy forum. And, and he sits next to Carol Ray. Actually, I think his avatar is uh, Groucho Marx, which, uh, so points for that too. Do you remember Carol Ray on Blankety Blanks? No. Ditsy blonde Ray? that used oh, to sit yeah. next to Stuart Wagstaff and he'd have to lean oh. over and, and correct, you know, write. That's oh, not yeah. how you spell it. Did well, Wagstaff smoke cigars on TV? No, no, no. no, no. He did advertise cigars, though. Wagstaff, but Wagstaff was bottom row centre. Yeah. And I think of him with a jacket and a polo neck yeah. sweater. What Was he an actor or just a bond, a, a man about town? Yeah, he was a bit of a man about town. A bit like of Peter, the, Peter Jansen. Jansen. <laughs> he used to bob up in the Sunday press every week. Now, I'm pretty sure still Social, Wagstaff... Was he a socialite, Peter Jansen? Yeah. Uh, and he also drove around in a... Open-topped car with, yeah, his, yeah. with a cravat. You know, leopard-skin rug and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And Stuart Wagstaff smoked uh, a certain brand of cigar. Which brand? We Willem. Willem who? Willem Drew. Uh, all right, last game of the round. We've been oh, are they sponsoring us? <laughs> I don't Cigars? Know. Do they still exist? 
Uh, Fremantle Richmond, the final game in the round. Uh, which this is a cracker. Five twenty in Perth. All right, you take it away. Well, then. first of all, I want to just comment about all the people who who said and oh, this could be a bit of a media watch. There was one person on radio this week who described the game between Fremantle and Adelaide as having uh, bamboo skewers put under your fingernails. Oh, yeah, I know. You're a big rap for it. Well, anybody who watched it was a big rap for it. In fact, during the game, Mark Rusciuto just blurted out out of nowhere, this is a ripping game, and it was a ripping game. The skills were there to see. It was a butte game of football. If people, you know what? There are so many people out there in media and in the general public who don't watch a game of football, look at the score, and think that okay, they can. That was a crap game. And, and think that they can opine on the game because of the score. That how dare somebody not watch that game? All right, save and for, tell me that it was no good. Save for media watch. What about well, this game? Well, I'm just saying that Fremantle were great last week. Yeah, they really were. They Fife's a ripper. Um, Ed Langdon has filled the Lockie Neal breach pretty well. The forward line is the question. Mm. McCarthy, he's no good, actually. He just he doesn't get dropped, won't he? He just doesn't get enough of the ball. This bloke, Hogan worked incredibly hard. Hogan, he worked really well. Oh, he, he tried his guts out, but they got some good key defenders, Adelaide. So it was very difficult for him to convert that into scores. What they need, and they get it more at home than away, are goals from Walters. You know, they 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 can get a, a harvest off the pack in Fremantle. Tabiner, I think, is a factor. And I tip them to beat the Tigers. Yeah, no, it's a reasonable tip too. I mean, uh, Richmond really disappointing last week. Tom Lynch really struggling up forward. What do, you, look, what do you make of Matthew Lloyd's comments about Tom uh, Lynch? That he's a liability. Surprisingly strong. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, he kicked six against Port, what, three games ago? Okay, but he's kicked one goal in the last two, yeah. and he's talking about his follow-up work when the ball hits the ground. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's coming off a fairly serious knee operation. Yep. So, yeah, no, look, I mean, it was strong words from Lloyd. I thought it may be a little bit premature, but... Yep. We're in the opinion business, aren't we? Um, I don't know. I, I keep thinking this is a sort of game where Richmond will make a statement, as they did when they went to Port Adelaide, minus all those players. Um, Not easy to ask your team for the ultimate effort and make a big statement every third week. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's, it's a big ask, and I don't know whether they can keep digging that deep. Yeah, no, it's a, a valid point. I think Freo would be probably the logical selection, but I'm I'm just going to follow my gut here, my considerable gut, and uh, I'm going to tip the Tigers to win that one. So, uh, I'm likely to lose a couple of players from last week. Rioli. And Floston. Yeah, yeah, don't talk me out of it. No, I just, look, I'm going for Richmond. That's about it. All right, let's finish it off. On Footyology, the final word. All right, uh, quick one, completely off the top, Finey. Uh, on the couch, as good as ever, last Monday night. Very interesting stat they showed uh, becoming more reliable as a barometer of how teams perform, and that is the um, post-clearance contested ball. So after it gets out of the scrappiness of the contest, the next possessions after that, which are probably a truer reflection of one's one-on-one ability, 
Um, and the it, it was quite remarkable how closely the rankings for that stat followed the ladder. So it's clearly, apparently the clubs are really dwelling on this stat a lot, and it's clearly become very critical. So uh, my suggestion is, how about letting the public see it? Um, we talked a few weeks ago about how the AFL have rejigged their uh, stats page and made it a lot less, there's a lot less team stats on there now. It's all geared to fantasy stuff and players. Well, a lot of people like seeing the team stats and they'd like to be able to participate in these discussions, not just have to rely on the word of you know former players turned commentators who are equipped with stats from champion data. Um, I get stats from champion data, but even I don't get um, post-clearance contested ball. So um, hopefully the AFL and, and champion and uh, media outlets and whatever, if they think that these stats are becoming more important, let's see them. Let's let the footy public see them and, and be part of the discussion. You want to make the game more accessible, not less accessible. That's my final word. That's a good final word. Yours. My final word is, as we approach the federal election, that there is a former AFL footballer tracking, I think, towards being a politician and maybe being this country's Prime Minister one day. Uh, Adam Goods. No, Jason Ackermanis, because he shares something in common with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is an incorrigible cheat at golf and he's a recidivist. And it now appears as though, of course, Jason Ackermanis is following the way of the great Trumpster, having been kicked out of three golf clubs around Albury for not playing kosher golf. So, you know what, Acker? Put the clubs down and follow the great Donald Trump into politics. How do you reckon he'd go uh, if he became Prime Minister? You know, he'd win the election and he'd get up to do his acceptance speech and do a handstand. You'd just see the feet sticking above the lectern. Yes, that would be... That would be very Acker-like. But you know what else he would also do? What? Make as much sense as Donald Trump. <laughs> Not hard. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, hope your team gets a win on the weekend. We'll be back on Sunday evening, of course, to wrap it all up. A big round eight. We are here, as always, thanks to... The great Andrews Burgers, 80 years young. And they will be celebrating with you down at 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. Their burgers are old school and people travel across the country to taste them. Remember when burgers were good? You don't need to at the brilliant Andrews and also Nick Spartel and Hardwick Build Co. They build for the stars, the likes of Heppel and Pendlebury and also mighty Mike Sheehan. Uh, all right, now you've given me a serious earworm, Finey. You always manage to do this in one of our various tangents. Sounds but, like an uh, earwig. No, earworm. It's a shocking... It's never a good song either. You get a song stuck in your head and it's inevitably a shocker. And you've done it to me and it's early in the day, so God knows what I'm going to be like by the end of this day. But uh, you did mention that uh, you thought you loved me. Or oh, sorry, no, you said, I think I love you. By the Partridge family... Uh, anyone too young to remember that really crappy uh, American uh, comedy sitcom? No way. Danny Bonaducci. Yeah, Danny Bonaducci, uh, a complete car crash of a human being. How about Ruben Kincaid? Ruben Kincaid, character. the manager. Shirley Jones playing the beleaguered mother. Yep. But uh, David Cassidy was the heartthrob of the early 70s. Sadly, no longer with us. Uh, but uh, we still love him. We'll see you on Sunday. Talk about it. And did not go and shout it when you walked into the room. I think I love you.